0: Good morning and Merry Christmas. As you know, we're in the season of Advent, the weeks leading up to Christmas when we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Advent simply means coming. I hope you're making room in your heart for the coming of Jesus in this season of waiting and hopeful expectation. I also hope you've been able to find joy in some of the little things, like making cookies, which I did today, or finding a new favorite Christmas song, which I also did. Um, Maybe it's appreciating something new about someone you love. Our view is different this year, that's for sure. I encourage you to embrace that difference the best that you can and appreciate those things you may have missed out on before. Now, one of my favorite memories of the Christmas season is Christmas pageants. Funny thought, right? Now, since we can't go see one this year, let's imagine together. Are you ready? Okay. Pretend we've just arrived in the church auditorium for the show. Can you picture yourself there? It's crowded. You can feel the excitement of the parents mixed with the nervousness of the kids. There's a low chatter as everyone waits. Cameras are ready. It's three minutes past showtime, and everyone wonders what went wrong. Oh, never mind, here they come. The spotlight shines on the narrator. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. He begins to tell the story. The first group to enter, of course, are the tiny kids, the stable animals, the sheep, the goats, maybe some donkeys. One kid always forgets what to do and just ends up smiling and waving at their dad. The next oldest group, they get to be angels, a definite step up from the animals with their wings and glittery halos. The shepherds and the wise men enter the story and the evil King Herod. The innkeeper makes his appearance and the main parts are always awkward Mary and Joseph with a doll, unless some parent was brave enough to loan them a newborn baby. (laughs) And in a sort of magical way, we're captivated by this story, this incredible, almost unbelievable story of how the Son of God entered our world. The story finishes and we sing Joy to the World or Go Tell it on the Mountain, and the show's over. Thanks for going to the Christmas pageant with me. So I grew up in a pretty small church without many kids. And I was often told what part I had to play in the Christmas pageant. As the pastor's kids, my brother and I were kind of obligated. But as our church grew and we had more kids to be in the theatrical productions, I sometimes got to choose who I wanted to be, which I absolutely loved. But when we think about the real Christmas story, the real live action version, as my daughter would say, and the roles that had to be played, it's truly amazing how God orchestrated it all. If you got to choose any character you could be in the real Christmas story, who would you wanna be? Or, Maybe the more telling question is, who would you not want to be? Today, I want to talk about Mary. Now, Mary gets a lot of attention during Advent and rightly so. She played the main part. The question that often gets asked is why did God choose Mary to be the mother of his son? What made her so special? What qualities did she have that made her ready for this? Now we've been looking for a while at people who were seemingly unqualified who God used to accomplish his purposes. But I don't wanna talk about Mary's qualifications today. There's something that I think is even more mysterious about Mary. And that is, what makes Mary respond to God's request the way that she did? This is our first big question today. What makes Mary respond to God's request the way that she did? I wanna show you a clip from the movie, The Nativity Story, where the angel Gabriel gives Mary the big news. I want you to pay close attention to how she responds. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Come, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son and you will call his name Jesus. How can this be, since I've been with no man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power from the Most High will overshadow you. And the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Son of God? Mary, even your cousin Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, for nothing said by God can be impossible. Let it be done to me, according to your word. This part of the story that we've just watched comes from Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. The news Gabriel brings is absolutely shocking. But so is Mary's response. The message translation puts it this way. Mary says, Yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say." Amazing. What follows is found in Luke chapter 1, 39 through 56, where Mary visits Elizabeth and proclaims her praise in what we call Mary's song, or the Magnificat. Magnificat simply means, my soul magnifies the Lord, which is the first phrase of that poem in Latin. This song is one of the most famous in Christianity. So find your Bible and turn with me to Luke 1.39 and follow along as I read. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And this is Mary's song, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So what do we know about Mary from this passage? What do we observe? If we look back at Mary's song, we know she's a humble servant, She's looking for a Messiah. She's trusting God to carry out his promises. She clearly sees God moving and at work. She's filled with praise. She's totally awestruck that God chose her. And she considers this news a blessing. Bible scholar N.T. Wright offers us some background on this exchange between Mary and Elizabeth. The two women share a dream, the ancient dream of Israel, that all nations would be blessed through Abraham's family. Do you remember that promise? God told Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. Like many Jews of their time, these two women searched scriptures, soaked themselves in the Psalms and prophetic writings, which spoke of mercy, hope, fulfillment, reversal, revolution, victory over evil, and of God coming to the rescue at last. All of that is poured into this song that Mary sings. Almost every word is a biblical quotation, which many Jews would have known from childhood. It also echoes Hannah's song from 1 Samuel 2. What else do we know about Mary? We know that she had no idea what she was agreeing to. She had no way of knowing what pain and heartache would follow this promise. Her choice changed the trajectory of her entire life. Talk about the ultimate divine interruption. There was no going back. There was no chance for normal anymore. We know she was alone. Elizabeth believed her and we can guess that Zachariah did as well. We hope that Joseph came to believe her after the angel appeared to him, but who else would have possibly believed her crazy story? Or did she even bother trying to convince people of God's plan? The decision to say yes was hers and hers alone. This is what I call courageous obedience. Saying yes to God because you have clearly heard his voice and you know without a doubt what he's asking of you, even though you don't know what it will fully involve. So now that we've looked at where Mary was coming from, I wanna offer an idea about Mary. Here's my proposal, what if mary was more like us than we think what if she was just ordinary and chose to respond to god with courageous obedience this leads me to our next big question how can we respond to god like mary did how can we respond to god like mary did as we know the call to be a disciple involves a daily process of laying down our lives to follow jesus But many of us struggle to confidently recognize God's voice, and we may have no way of knowing when God is at work in our lives. I want to offer you a really practical tool that can help you recognize God's voice and respond like Mary did. This idea comes from Mike Breen, who wrote Building a Discipling Culture. I've used this many times in my own discipleship journey, as well as taught it to others. Look at this diagram with me. We have two representations of time here. The line is chronos time, sequential time, the timeline of our daily lives. Kairos time means an event or an opportunity. It breaks into our chronos time. It comes from Mark 1, 14 and 15, which says, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. A Kairos moment is an event or an opportunity, a moment in time when perhaps everything changes because it's the right time. In Kairos time, the rules of Kronos time are suspended. You leave one to enter the other. Now Kairos events can be positive or negative. They're rarely neutral. They tend to produce strong feelings or thoughts and can be recognized by the impact they leave on you. Positive Kairos moments would be ones that you cherish, such as the day you got married, the birth of a child, or a favorite vacation with your family. On the other hand, they could bring tragic consequences. A negative Kairos moment could be the death of a loved one, a divorce, or a falling out that you had with someone. Most Kairos moments, however, are small, everyday events. This is a silly example. but. Let's say your spouse gets upset again because you left the cap off the toothpaste again. You finally realize, maybe this isn't really about the toothpaste. You can choose at that moment to make a choice and enter this circle that you see. It's called the learning circle. A Kairos moment signals an opportunity for us to grow. Now, the learning circle is easy to remember, and it gives us a framework to recognize what God is saying to us and how to respond. This helps us grow in our discipleship, which simply means becoming more like Jesus. The process begins with a change of heart. As you go around the circle, your first question has to do with repentance. What is God saying to me? What is God saying to you? The second question is about belief. What am I going to do about it? Here's a really practical example we can all identify with. You're going about your day on your chronos timeline. Someone criticizes you out of the blue and you react in a not so nice way, whether it's in person or with your family or no one sees how you respond. It's not very nice. You stop and you recognize this as a Kairos moment. You choose to enter the learning circle. You check your heart and with repentance, ask God what he's saying to you. Then you follow through by taking action, believing God will give you the help that you need. You complete the circle and re-enter your Kronos timeline, but you're different, you're changed, and you're more ready to recognize the next Kairos moment God sends you. Each time, You choose to journey around the circle. It means you've grown a little bit more and taken on more of the character of Christ, but this isn't something you have to do alone. Often we need help recognizing Kairos moments. Ask someone you trust to help you see them if you're not sure. Also, don't be afraid to offer this to others as a tool. The next time your friend calls and says, you won't believe what happened today. You can respond with, I wonder if God might be trying to tell you something. You can be sitting in a coffee shop with a friend. You can write the circle on a napkin. Um, Say, look, this is your normal life. I think God might be trying to break in here. What's he saying to you and what can you do about it? It's a really simple model that we can use every day. To wrap this up, Mary says yes to God without having any idea what that will involve. She recognizes what God is saying to her and decides what to do about it. She doesn't wait around or weigh the pros and cons, she responds with courageous obedience. Here I am. One of my favorite authors, Christine Kane, says this. I love this. Never underestimate what your obedience can accomplish. It doesn't matter what you encounter. God will empower you. God in his great mercy always calls us to progress into our future so we don't overstay in the wrong place. All he asks is that we allow ourselves to be interrupted, and then he will expand our capacity to go where he calls us. Please pray with me as we close. Almighty God, we humbly ask for your divine interruptions in our lives. These Kairos moments where you offer us opportunities to become more like your son, Jesus. You tell us your kingdom is within reach for all of us. Give us the courage to journey with you so that we can take on more of your character. Show us in each opportunity what you're saying to us and what you want us to do about it. Help us like Mary to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said, amen.